0: This podcast series is based on a book called Beyond Reasonable Greed, Why Sustainable Business is a Much Better Idea, by Wayne Visser and Clem Sumter, read by myself, Wayne Visser. Markets, taming the casino cats. Each day the turnover in the world's financial markets is now in excess of 1.5 trillion dollars. It is at least 20 times more than it was in 1980. The explosive growth of this global casino is largely as a result of introducing two new games, futures and derivatives trading. It all began on the Philadelphia Stock Exchange in 1971 and has escalated to a level where only around 2% of capital flows are backed by trade in real goods. Even the outlaws of this universe are surreal. In the old days, they used to rob banks and ride off with their satchels stuffed with cash. Remember Jesse James and Billy the Kid? The new version is the rogue trader who loses all the bank's money in a few unauthorized transactions. And you don't even see the notes disappearing because it's all done electronically. Not so long ago... The grave warning of economist John Maynard Keynes echoed loud and clear above the chaotic din of frantic stock market traders. He said, When the capital development of a country becomes a byproduct of the activities of a casino, the job is likely ill done. End quote. Modern critic David Corton, who is author of When Corporations Rule the World, calls this phenomenon. Delinking money from value. He argues that capital is being diverted away from long-term productive investment in the real economy in favor of short-term speculative investment in the virtual economy. Keynes and Corton can both be classified as elephants with a keen sense of hearing. They picked up signals of just how real and harmful the effects of this money-making game can be on real people. Furthermore, since the development of expert systems and programmed trading in the 1960s, financial markets have become increasingly depersonalized and automated. High tech means high speed, and everybody gets to know the same news at the same time. Gunslinging traders simply chase the highest margins and returns without any regard for the consequences on local communities, the environment, or whole national economies all in the name of that familiar feline slogan, free trade. It comes as no surprise that those who are grabbing the lion's share of the benefits from speculative trading are the same ones that have been roaring for greater deregulation of capital flows over the decades. Their selfish tirades have been remarkably successful too, beginning with the creation of the euro-dollar markets and the discontinuation of the gold-dollar fixed exchange system in the 1970s and cumulating in their proposal for a multilateral agreement on investment in the late 1990s. Through the calculating lion's eyes of the financial heavyweights, these developments have read like a tale of triumph against government control over money. However, from a social or public perspective – the elephant's point of view, the trend has only served to concentrate power in the hands of an unelected, invisible few, with accountability to no one but themselves. One of the worrying side effects of speculative trading is an increase in the volatility and instability of financial markets, in turn by making real economies more unpredictable these roller coaster fluctuations destroy the livelihoods of small traders and farmers, increase business bankruptcies and disrupt the plans of supposedly sovereign governments to provide a better life for all. The net result of these dizzying effects is a decrease in self-reliance at national, community and individual levels. Ask the Enron pensioners how they feel about having their entire pensions wiped out and having to rely on welfare to survive. The systemic risk which such financial craziness poses is widely recognized, as an international banking survey supplement in The Economist indicates. So too is the need to tame international financial markets given the establishment of bodies with imposing titles like the Basel Committee on Banking and Supervision, the International Organization of Securities Commissions, the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and the Commission for Global Governance Committee on Global Financial Markets. We even see former superlions like George Soros, infamous for making over a billion pounds from the devaluation of the pound in 1994, Showing signs of shape shifting. Soros is on record as saying that current financial markets will never serve the common good unless controls are introduced. Among other things, he now advocates that all derivatives traded by banks should be registered with the Bank for International Settlements through various national regulatory agencies. Soros is not alone in trumpeting ideas for change. In 1987, Economist James Tobin suggested two possible routes for reform of the international monetary system. Either we have to make currency transactions more costly to reduce capital mobility and speculative exchange rate pressures, an idea derived from Keynes, or there needs to be greater world economic integration, implying eventual monetary union and a world central bank. The first approach which has become known as the Tobin tax, was favoured by Tobin and has also become popular among economists and politicians. Tobin described his proposal as an internationally uniform tax on all spot conversions of one currency into another, proportional to the size of the transaction, suggesting a charge range of between 0.5 to 1%. Economist Rudy Dornbush goes further with a recommendation of a cross border tax on all financial transactions instead of just currency trades. The tax would be collected by the governments concerned. Subsequently, the United Nations Development Programme commissioned a study by a group of influential economists, which came out in support of a Tobin fee of between 0.05 and 0.25%. This was later endorsed at the UN World Summit on Social Development in Copenhagen in March 1995 by France's then-President Mitterrand, Norway's Prime Minister Brundtland, and Denmark's Paul Nyrup Rasmussen. Later that year, at the G7 Summit in Halifax, the idea was given a further boost by Canadian Human Resources Minister Lloyd Axworthy and UN Human Commissioner for Human Rights José Ayala Lasso. Nevertheless, despite the support of all these worthy people, the Tobin tax has yet to be enacted. Those in favour of Tobin's second alternative for reform have proposed an international currency unit to be administered by a world central bank and based on an equivalent basket of goods in each country. The value of these baskets in domestic currency would determine relative exchange rates which would therefore depend on real domestic economic conditions rather than short-term currency movements. Others have called for the coordination of interest rate policies among the G3, the US, European Union and Japan, thereby enabling countries to pursue their own interest rate objectives without destabilization from competing interest rate policies induced by foreign exchange transmissions and speculation. Yale University Pressure, an official historian of the UNDP, Ruben Mendez, has proposed a social innovation that may work in conjunction with a currency exchange fee or as an alternative to it. He proposes that a non-for-profit global foreign exchange facility should be established to perform foreign currency exchange transactions. It could be set up as a public utility, possibly franchised by a group of governments and the UN, and in partnership with the International Monetary Fund and Bank for International Settlements. GCFUN Commissioner T. Ross Jackson, on the other hand, has suggested a currency market circuit breaker analogous to the one on Wall Street, whereby trading would be halted if a currency came under speculative attack. This would represent an important social innovation because it offers national governments and central banks a new domestic macro-management tool to insulate their currencies and economies from attack, without having to raise interest rates and subject their citizens and businesses to the risk of an induced recession." Argentina recently used a circuit breaker internally when it reintroduced a floating currency against the U.S. dollar. Citizens had to wait a few days before being permitted to trade pesos for dollars or vice versa. All of these proposals have elephant traits and sustainability motivations. On the one hand, they are an attempt to reduce the probability of a global financial meltdown the social and ecological consequences of which are too frightening to contemplate. On the other hand, they are aimed at restoring self-reliance to countries and communities who are adversely affected by repeated financial market shocks, crises, capital flight, and general volatility. In the elephant version of a globalized economy, the casino cats will not only be tamed, but will be forced to stop chasing their tails, and start making a real contribution to society.